This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Fed Life, a weekly roundup of news about federal pay and benefits, employment policy, and investing and retirement planning. Brought to you by WEPA. Here's your host, Tom Temin. Hello and welcome to the show. The end of COVID-19 public health emergency brought some changes for enrollees in the Federal Employee Health Benefits Program, and that's not all. Expect more long-term changes for FEHB participants also. To break it all down, Federal News Network's Drew Friedman and I are joined in studio by Kevin Moss, editor of Consumer's Checkbook Guide to Health Plans for Federal Employees. Kevin, good to have you with us. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me back. And let's start with the end of the public health emergency. This idea that the infinite public health emergency has expired, does it mean anything? Should we care now? Well, I think it does mean something. And this could possibly impact your FEHB coverage. So the emergency ended last month on May 11th. And there's two big changes. First of all, it's a little bit unusual that OPM is allowing carriers to uh, to change benefits outside of open season. Generally, it only happens once a year for the next plan year. But they've allowed carriers to change a little bit how they're covering over-the-counter COVID-19 diagnostic tests, for example. That's something where all cost sharing, the amount that you have to pay out of pocket, was waived during the public health emergency. That's no longer the case that it's waived. And there might also be some prior authorization that a plan might have in order to cover that. Um, And then the other thing are vaccinations. During the public health emergency for vaccinations, um, all the plans were required to cover vaccinations both in and out of network. Um, And now, going forward, plans can, uh, they still have to provide uh, vaccination services, but it's in-network only that they're required for, no longer out of network. And so... That means like CVS is not in your network typically, which is where a lot of people, or Walmart and Walgreen, all these places, it has to be like from your physician's office then. Well, it depends. You can and sometimes find that CVS pharmacies will be in network with certain plans. So uh, pay attention to what your network is, and more importantly, pay attention to your plan notifications. So uh, plans are required to alert their members to these changes. Those alerts could happen as an email straight to the member. It could be an alert on a website, but you, you probably have to log in to see that alert. It may not be there if you're not logged in. So um, And the last place, uh, plans have to publish a summary of benefits of coverage. And it's possible that these changes might be announced in a summary of benefits and coverage. So take a look at all of those. Make sure you're paying attention to uh, any any information that your plan is sending you. Kevin, thanks for being here. And just a follow-up on that, how widespread are these changes going to be, or how much will it really impact participants? And do you foresee that these changes following the end of the emergency will be just the case for the long haul now? I think so. I think that I have had a couple of conversations with certain health plans, and they did make these changes as soon as they were allowed. I think most carriers probably have, maybe not all. Of course, OPM encouraged plans to not do this, that if they were going to make changes to wait until open season when everyone's kind of conditioned to benefits changing. And so uh, this is a little bit unusual. It doesn't happen very often. I think the guidance going forward is make sure that you're paying attention to 
what your plan is communicating to you in terms of benefit changes. And as we get closer to open season, one thing that you should always be doing is look at your existing health plan brochure. Go to section two. This is how the plan is changing. This is something you should be doing every single year, even if you don't think you want to switch health plans, because that section will tell you how your plan is changing for the next plan year. So a little pregame advice for open season, which is yet months off. But let me just ask you this fundamentally, this change now with the end of the emergency and having to check your plan for where you can get vaccines. This basically renders COVID the same as flu in terms of health care benefit plans. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison, Tom. All right. Kevin, I also wanted to ask, I know that there is a recent change uh, about contribution limits or a contribution limit increase for health savings accounts or HSAs. Can you talk a little bit more about what that limit is going to be changing to? Yep. Um, last month, the IRS, which they do every year, they look at uh, how much you can uh, set aside for both flexible spending accounts and health savings accounts. Last month, they let us know that health savings accounts are going up by quite a bit. So for self-only enrollments, um, health savings accounts going up $300 from $38.50 to $41.50. Self plus one or self and family is going from $77.50 to $8,300. So that's an increase of $550. Um, So these are big increases, bigger increases than what we typically see. So uh, the value of having a health savings account even greater going forward starting in plan year 2024. And that's a reflection of rising costs of -of out-of-pocket costs? How about inflation, Tom? Yeah. Well, that's that's the fast word for it. Yeah. So everything's everything's going up, and the IRS sees this, and they're allowing you to set aside more money to help pay for these extra expenses that you know families are facing. So it's gone up by about the amount of a good pair of Warby Parkers with all the accessories. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, what you're saying too is that if you have out-of-pocket expenses, it's wise to max out your deduct your your contribution so you'll have that money. Well, for families, this is this is over double what you can set aside for a flexible spending account. So if you if you're a family that has a lot of out-of-pocket healthcare expenses, uh, one this can help you. But more importantly, what a health savings account allows you to do is set aside money for future healthcare expenses. Right. So most Americans, or almost all Americans, their healthcare expenses are going to rise as they grow older. They may not have a lot of health care expenses today. This is a way to set aside money right now. Any money that you voluntarily set aside uh, is tax-free. Okay, then you can invest those monies in your health savings account. The same types of investment choices that you might see from an IRA, you'll have with an HSA. Any investment returns are tax-free, and anytime you need to use these monies, you can take them out tax-free for qualified healthcare expenses. And there's a cool thing that happens if this is cool. Uh, when you turn 65, you can use these funds for non qualified healthcare expenses. You can use it for anything. You only have to pay your normal taxes if you take it out for anything else. So this is almost really a, a, a way for you to have additional retirement income that you can start doing today for, for some time far down in the road. 
but tanning parlors don't qualify. <laughs> Not as a qualified healthcare expense, but once you turn 65, you can use your HSA funds for tanning parlors and only pay normal taxes, Tom. All right, so you can use it there and your dermatologist. <laughs> That's correct. And by the way, these so they don't run out and they don't expire like the regular HSUs do every year. You got to spend it or lose it. Yeah, there's no use or lose with HSAs. This was what makes them so cool is that they keep growing over time. We hear from many federal employees that have been able to max out their contribution. They've had, you know, not a lot of healthcare expenses, so they haven't had to take them out. Before last year, you know, kind of record returns on stock market investments. And this thing grows year over year over year over year. Some, you know, federal employees have over $50,000 in these health savings accounts. Once you retire, you know, if you have to pay Medicare Part B premiums, guess what? You can use your HSA for that. Or if you have long-term care needs or nursing uh, home care needs, you can use your HSA for those future health care expenses. And for an HSA also, do you have to be in a high-deductible plan specifically? Or, or where? what types of plans are HSAs available to? That's correct, Drew. They are high-deductible health plans. That's the only plan type that you can uh, get an HSA for. Um, And in the FEHB program for high-deductible health plans, the plans are going to contribute a portion of the premium into the HSA. So it's a premium pass-through, and it depends upon the plan, but that's anywhere from like $750 to $1,300 or so for self-only, double that for self-plus-one or self-and-family. And so the plan already is giving you some money in your HSA to help you pay for out-of-pocket health care expenses that you face before you meet the deductible. Also, with high-deductible health plans, all preventative care is free. So your well-child visits, your annual physicals, um, mammograms, These types of preventative care are all free uh, with high-deductible health plans. And right after the break, which we're about to go to, we'll talk about changes in Medicare Part D. But another kind of related question, are these types of plans also there for people in retirement, high-deductible, with the characteristics you just described? Uh, They're very different. (laughs) If you're on Medicare, they're very different. Leading up to retirement, these can be a great plan for you because along with the increase in HSA contributions for plan year 2024, once you turn 55, uh, you are allowed to do what's called a catch-up contribution, $1,000 that goes in and realize this can be both money for qualified health care expenses or it can be used once you turn 65 for any out-of-pocket um, expense whatsoever. You just pay normal taxes. But when you're on Medicare and you have a high deductible health plan, you no longer get an HSA. You get what's called an HRA, which is a health reimbursement account. Very, very different. You cannot make additional contributions to an HRA. And if you ever switch plans and have money in an HRA, you will lose that money if you switch plans. So um, not that that these plans can't work for retirees. You just really have to know how they works to make sure that uh, you're not caught uh, with a surprise that you don't expect. Kevin Moss, editor of Consumer's Checkbook Guide to Health Plans for Federal Employees. When we return, more from Kevin on changes for prescription drug coverage that could make Medicare Part D a little bit more appealing. You're listening to FedLife here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
Welcome back to FedLife here on Federal News Network. Participants in the Federal Employee Health Benefits Plan have new reasons to consider changes to their health care enrollments. The Inflation Reduction Act included significant changes to Medicare Part D. Now, some of these changes are already here and more are on the horizon. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman and I are in studio with Kevin Moss, editor of Consumer's Checkbook Guide to Health Plans for Federal Employees. Drew, you've got a big question about a big issue for lots of retirees. Yeah, so Kevin, I've you know I know that there's a lot of changes coming up to Medicare Part D that I think uh, enrollees are going to be wanting to look out for. So can you tell us more about maybe some that have already taken effect and what's still to come that that's going to be changing for that? Medicare Part D is the prescription drug program by Medicare. Historically, federal retirees and annuitants, this was something you didn't really have to pay much attention to. Your FEHB plan had as good or better prescription drug coverage than what could be found by Part D, and you didn't have to pay an extra premium. Um, And so, this is something that a lot of uh, federal annuitants haven't had to pay attention to, but there was reform for Medicare that passed last year as part of the Inflation Reduction Act that, you know, the goal of that was to have Medicare negotiate drug prices, lower costs for retirees. And in there, there were provisions that passed in Part D that have started taking place that are now available. And these new types of provisions are going to be available to new plan options for federal retirees and annuitants this year. So what are these? Insulin prices are now capped. No more than $35 a month. This started in January of this year. Uh, A Part D plan doesn't have to cover every brand of insulin, but they at least have to cover each dosage form, whether vial or pen, and each type of insulin type, rapid-acting, short-acting, intermediate-acting, and long-acting. Next, uh, catastrophic coverage next year is going to be dropped. So most people never get to this stage in Part D plans. The spending has to be $7,400 or above between the plan member and the drug manufacturer. 5% of expenses you would normally have to pay, that 5% is going away next year. And just getting back to the insulin question, I mean, there's a lot of demand for insulin by people outside of Medicare. What's your sense of what this will do to supply, demand, and pricing for non-Medicare insulin? You are not exactly sure what the impact of this will be, Tom. Um, I know that these are great protections that are in these plans for for folks who who need insulin. Um, the other f- thing that's happening, you know, some people may be thinking, well, because these Part D plans now have to be more generous in these benefits, are my prices going to go up in terms of what I have to pay for these plans? And uh, you know, Congress has the has added protections for that. In particular, the Part D premiums can only increase year over year by 6% uh, for between 2024 and 2030. And that's an important protection because just last year, premiums increased 10%. And so um, I think, you know, with this coverage, there are protections that you know, if there's more generosity from these plans, the plans are just going to pass those additional costs onto the individual plan members through higher premiums. Right. So, yeah, everything has a cost and a, an effect somewhere along the line. Okay. I'm sorry. So, you were continuing with some of the changes to okay. Part D yep. besides insulin. Yes. Um, and so, but there's a really big one, but it's not happening for another year and a half. In 2025, there's a new out of pocket spending cap. 
no more than $2,000 for any out-of-pocket prescription drugs. This is a really, really big deal. Um, and there's a provision with, with this new out-of-pocket spending cap that you will pay no more. You can spread out basically that $2,000 over the course of a year, which means that an individual retiree or annuitant would not have to pay more than $167 a month any given month throughout the year. This is a significant, significant benefit upgrade. So anyone who takes expensive prescription drugs, if you're uh, taking drugs to deal with a medical condition, um, this is a really big deal um, because when you have Medicare Part D, you no longer are getting your prescription drugs from your FEHB plan. And we'll talk about what those new options will be for annuitants starting this year. Um, and that 2000 is so much less than the catastrophic limits available in FEHB plans. Most of the time, you'll find catastrophic limits that go all the way up to like $9,000 out of pocket. So that $2,000 uh, spending cap is a really big deal, not coming until plan year 2025. Wow. And Kevin, you mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of FEHB enrollees haven't really had to think about Medicare, Medicare Part D very much. So do you anticipate there being maybe some confusion or questions coming up this fall when open season starts and people are going to, you know, have to be thinking about this a little bit more now? Yeah. So now, I don't really want to be the bearer of bad news, but I will tell you, as you grow older and as you retire, the complexity of your healthcare choices really uh, increases quite a bit. And there's going to be a new plan type this year that federal annuitants have never seen. This is going to be a supplemental Part D plan. These have never existed in the FEHB program before. They will be offered this year. We don't know how many there will be. We don't know if all FEHB carriers will uh, submit one of these new supplemental Part D plans, but they will be there. And their uh, OPM is allowing the FEHB carriers to auto-enroll their members potentially in one of these Part D plans where uh, their members who are on Medicare will receive prescription drug coverage from one of these Part D plans. And if participants maybe don't want to be enrolled in that, how, how complicated would it be to take yourself out of that auto-enroll option? Do you have any idea? I don't have an idea, but I know that in order for OPM to allow a plan to offer auto-enrollment, they must tell OPM how their members can disenroll if they don't want that coverage. So why would someone not want it? Um, well, one reason is there's this thing called IRMA. Um, which is basically high-income individuals have to pay more for Medicare Part B and Medicare Part D. And so... And high-income is how much? Uh, I think the levels are... It's somewhere, I think, $97,000 individual, double that for couples or families. That's where you start paying more than the standard premium for Part B and Part D. And if you fall out of that at some point, then you go back to the standard rates? Yes, you can. And it, it looks back two years. And so if you're high income now and you don't expect to be uh, when you retire, you can actually submit a waiver of, of IRMA now um, to the Social Security Administration. Um, but uh, if you pay Part D uh, IRMA, you may not want this coverage because you have to. You're going to have to be paying an extra premium in order to receive it. So you may want to opt out of that. The plans have to give you a way to do that. And for a plan to be allowed to auto enroll, they have to show their communication plan, how they're going to 
inform their members about this coverage in order to be allowed to auto-enroll. So we're just going to have to wait and see a little bit how many plans will pass OPM's test to allow auto-enrollment. But more important than ever, you have to be paying attention to your health plan this open season because your prescription drug coverage could be delivered by a Part D plan, which is very different than what exists now. You know, you're going to be issued a new uh, ID card when you go to CVS. And so you've really got to be paying attention this open season. Wow. Anything else, Drew, follow-up? So you said a lot of it is going to be wait and see for how many plans are going to be offering this or how many carriers will be offering it. Is Are there questions that participants should be asking themselves right now to kind of gear up for open season this fall? Yeah. So we talked about the supplemental Part D plans, but there's another plan option that's out there already that folks should be looking at. These are FEHB Medicare Advantage plans. FEHB Medicare Advantage plans packages original Medicare with Part D coverage uh, kind of under one umbrella. These are out there right now in a handful of cases, both locally and nationally. These health plans have some of the lowest costs of any health plans available to federal retirees. We're talking about thousands of dollars of savings. And how do they achieve that? They do it by reducing the Part B premium and giving that back to their members. In some cases, almost the entire Part B premium. Zero out-of-pocket health care expenses. Go to the doctor, zero. Go to the hospital, zero. Except for prescription drug coverage. Um, that's if you have approved health care from a provider that accepts the plan and accepts Medicare. So you do still need to check your providers, make sure that they're covered by one of these Medicare Advantage plans. And I don't think it's too soon right now for you to look at some of the Medicare Advantage plans that were offered for plan year 2023, see what they're like, maybe look at the provider directory, see if your providers would be in them. Understand that there will be even more of those options this upcoming open season. OPM is encouraging Uh, FEHB carriers to offer more of these. OPM really wants their retirees and annuitants to get these extra Part D benefits. And so expect to see more this upcoming open season. And in 2025, as you mentioned earlier, out-of-pocket gets capped anyway. That's right. And so the the cost value of these plans are going to be even greater once that benefit comes online, not 2024, but 2025. Well, you heard it all here first. Kevin, thanks so much. Thank you. Kevin Moss, editor of Consumer's Checkbook Guide to Health Plans for Federal Employees. That's it for this week's FedLife. Find all of our coverage of developments affecting your life as a federal employee here at federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Tom Temin. Thanks for listening to FedLife here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search FedLife.